process. Welcome back. Welcome back. My name is Robert and I am the Recovery Guy. This is a special broadcast of Recovery Guy podcast. I could not be more excited um, to introduce you to someone I met over the summer. His name is Chaz and I'll let Chaz tell you about Chaz. Uh, But every now and then you get encouraged. You know what? I always look as a as a person of recovery, you know, with with my length of time, you know, we always want to leave a legacy. And one of the most important things about leaving a legacy is helping people along the way because I'm not going to be around here forever. Obviously, I want to stay as long as I can and have value and and bring content and encouragement and and a sincerity to help you along your way as you help me along my way. But sooner or later, I'm not going to be here, right? And the question then is, who's going to be here when I'm gone? Who's going to carry that message? And I'm sure that that was a concern of the original 100, right? When they wrote the book, you know, 100 Average Americans who have, you know, recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And they wrote this book as part of their legacy to let us know how they did it because they knew they weren't going to be here. So when I meet individuals like Chaz, I get excited because I see what his life is like, just like with my friend Angie and and Wendy and others that I've met along the way, that I get real encouraged when I see this younger group of people of recovery who understand the message, who understand that it's not just about not drinking or not using, it's about changing from the inside out and becoming that person that they always wanted to be, but were afraid they could never become that because that substance, that obstacle was in their way. So I do want to thank you for listening today. And again, whatever channel you're listening on, continue to listen, continue to subscribe, continue to share, and continue to comment. And we will get this thing done together. So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to Chaz and let him give you a little background. We're actually going to do this in two episodes. The first episode, the first special episode, we're going to get to know Chaz a little bit in his background and what his walk through addiction was like and then then what stopped him in his tracks to say, something needs to be different. I can't do this anymore. And then the next episode is going to be like, What is like in recovery? What led you there? What are you doing now? What is it like to be in the rooms? What is it like to share? What is it like to become that person that you always hoped you would become, but in many cases gave up the hope of ever becoming that? So without any further ado, I want to introduce you to my friend Chaz and let him tell you about him. Chaz, it's great to have you in studio today. Thank you, Robert. It's good to be here. It's a pleasure. You know, um, as we look at this first episode, give me a little background of who is Chaz? Where did you come from? What was your family like? 
What were some of the things that you think are significant about you as an individual? Let us get to know you just a little bit better. Okay, well, I was born here in Salt Lake. Um, I am the middle child with a twin sister. Um, I have an older brother, and I also have another little sister. We kind of grew up um, kind of rough going. Like me and my little sister and my twin sister went on one path, and my older brother went on another path. Um, and we ended up the <sighs> drown blank. That's all right, man. You know what? Uh, um, just share what you share and, and how you're comfortable sharing and things will flow and you come. Don't be nervous at all. So me and my sisters, we uh, went on one path with my mom and my brother got the privilege or blessed enough to go on one path with my grandparents. Um and in that, you know, me and my sisters, we kind of had a rough going. My mom was in and out of prison, in and out of jail. Um, we went without, you know, we we uh, sometimes didn't have a place to sleep. Um, and then, you know, eventually my mom ended up going to prison for quite a bit. Uh, and we ended up going to stay with our dad, which was a lot more of a stable living situation uh, my dad was, you know, he, he held a job and he had a new wife. So me and my sisters, you know, moved in with him and for the most part, you know, had a roof over our heads, but at the same time was an, a very abusive physically and mentally um, bring up with my dad, you know. So um, at that, you know, I reached the age of 16 and I just couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I left, you know, I moved out or got kicked out and then, um, kind of been on my own ever since. Mm. So, you know, with that type of dynamic and thank you so much for, for that kind of honesty, that's not really easy to be that honest, is it? No. Because some of that still even hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know with me, even though I've been at this for a long, long time, sometimes when I draw on remembrances even though I've forgiven the people involved and I know I'm not that same person, there's a part of me that just still hurts just a little bit. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that really brings value when we sit across the table or across the, the room from another newcomer that we're trying to encourage and, and we're able to muster up that emotion just like you did just now and we become believable. And that newcomer can relate absolutely to us and... And you remember being a newcomer when you didn't think you could relate to anyone at all? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and finally, you, you share with someone and someone's sharing with you. And it's like, I don't know why they understand me, but they do. And there's that sense of calm that comes upon us. I have a question for you as you shared your story between your mom uh, and, and, and the experience with your dad. And, and I'm sure there was some anger, some resentment along the way toward them. But was there ever a feeling or wonder, is it me? You know, because we, we look back at that, Chaz, and it's obvious to me, it had nothing to do with you, yeah. right? Any more than my dad being an alcoholic or my mom a codependent had anything to do with me. Do you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> I do know what you're saying. And I would say with my mom, um, I never, I didn't 
think it was me. I knew my mom dealt with her drug addiction and her issues. And I knew that that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a mama's boy, you know, okay. I loved my mom. And, and I know with my mom, that's when I felt loved the most when yeah. I was with my mom. Um, when I moved in with my dad, uh, that's when I started feeling, is it me? You know, okay. because I didn't get the love. I didn't have the connection. Um, uh, I didn't have anything that I had with my mom that I have with my dad. It was just, it was a strict environment. It was mentally and physically abusive. Um, and all the time I thought, is it me or what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Or why, you know, why can't uh, I get the same affection from my dad that I got from my mom? Um, even though my mom was in and out of jail and using drugs, um, she still managed to, to show us kids love mm-hmm. and affection like yeah. we deserved, you know? And um, it's crazy that I would have taken my mom, being around my mom on drugs and getting that kind of love and affection than being with my dad, who's a lot more stable, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't show any of that. Wow. That's interesting perspective. Yeah. And again, thank you for 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 sharing that. Um, when when you were feeling that sort of disconnect, obviously, when, when you got to your dad, <clears throat> when did you start to feel the attraction toward escaping, right? That ultimately would end up in your using, right? And becoming an addict, an alcoholic. But there was that transition, right? We, we go through those formidable years of puberty, 13, 14, 15 years old. And, and for me, I started to feel accountable and and all of a sudden, it was required for me to give back, but I never learned how to receive. Yeah. And if you don't know, learn how to know how to receive, it's you're incapable of giving back, right? And we have that dynamic and that right. frustration, that pain. And a lot of times we end up using, and I'm not trying to, you know, tell your life story, but was there that turning point for you that said, this isn't working, that isn't working, maybe this will? Um. For me, it was, uh, you know, in the the living situation that I was in with my dad, um, I was so miserable. I remember thinking, man, I can't wait to grow up. I can't wait to get out of here and live my own life and do my own Mm -hmm. thing. Um, And so, and I was always constantly trying to be what my dad wanted me to be. And it was nothing was ever good enough. I either didn't get good enough grades or I didn't clean the house good enough or weed the garden good enough. Um, so when I was introduced to drinking alcohol and smoking weed, um, it was, I was finally in control. Mm-hmm. I finally had the control to do something that my dad could not tell me that I wasn't doing it good enough. I wasn't doing enough or I couldn't do it. Yeah. And that's initially how it started. You know, I felt like I was taking control of my life. And it was the only way I knew how was with drugs. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And just trying to find your place to fit. I remember in high school, 15, 16 years old, when I really started when my experimentation turned to regular usage. Mm -hmm. Well, in high school, as much as you can get away with, right? Because you had to go to classes back in those days. And so I remember not feeling good enough to be around the good kids, right? But never being quite bad enough to do what I saw some of the others doing. 
I didn't want to take that leap. So I was trying to find that middle place where I could pretend and be a little bit of each. Did you ever feel that way to just trying to find a, a place where, because we don't feel like we belong, right? Right. So we're just trying to find our own space. Does that make yeah, sense? Absolutely. Did you find yourself going that way or feeling that way or using to find that combination? I think that that's what fed my drug use. Cause I, like you said, I didn't feel like I fit in with anyone because uh-huh. of, you know, not saying that my bringing up was any worse than the next guy. Right. But it was, and I was without, you know, good clothes mm-hmm. and money. So I needed to set myself uh, apart from everyone else. Right. And that was, I was the kid that wanted to get fucked up the most. Yeah. And I wanted, you know, oh my gosh, Chaz did this. He took this many and and drank that much. You know, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be known as the the guy that got fucked up the most. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been a negative identity, but it was an identity. Absolutely. That, uh, you know, in a a strange sort of way, people would respect you because you were the badass who could get more high than the next guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we look back at that, right, (laughs) and we look back at recovery and 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 I don't want to get too involved in recovering the steps. We're going to do that the next episode. But when we have that thinking, it's pretty easy to see why we need to be restored to sanity. Absolutely. Right. I mean, what sane person think that that is a badge of honor? Right. Yeah. Someone that's sick. Yeah. Yeah. And we we got real sick, didn't we? Yes, we did. And uh in so many ways, we're even lucky to be here having this conversation. Absolutely, you know, um, and that might be the most sad thing about what we go through is that the majority of people never have an opportunity to have this conversation because they die along the way. And I think it's it's why people like you and me do try to do so much because we know how fortunate we were to not be that statistic, right? Yep. Yeah. It's 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 a crazy life we live, and and uh, at least we know every day that yeah. there's another opportunity to to do this right. So, with with your using and and with the amount of your using, and I always find this to be uh, an interesting connection as your view of you began to go down or diminish. Did you find, or let me put it this way, did you find as your using increased, your view of Chaz diminished? Um, I would say, I mean, obviously, yes, you know, uh, but it was when the, the using to party mode switched mm-hmm. to using to uh, maintain and right. just feel right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely, at that point, the view of Chaz changed uh, horribly, you yeah. know, and um, it, I just, at that point, I was, I didn't, could never hold down a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a car, didn't have a driver's license and all these things um, at the time, uh, you know, which ultimately resorted to, resulted in because of my drug use, you right. know, um, my life was not progressing or moving forward in any way. Um, so yeah, I, I felt really down and low about myself and mm-hmm. I covered up by using more. Yeah. Yeah. Because we, as, as our view of ourself begins to diminish, it causes more emotional 
and mental pain, which we need to medicate from. Yeah. And our medicine is alcohol and drugs. Yeah. So as, as we use more, there's an incredible dichotomy, and it's what kills most people, is that the more I use, the less value I view myself, and the, more, the less value I view myself causes greater pain, which I need to medicate more from. And, and it's like, um, uh, you know, working against each other. You know, it's like, it's like meth, meth addicts, right? That they're two dangerous components, one is that meth deletes all of your nutrients and you don't want to eat to replenish the nutrients. So it's like yeah. it's like pulling against itself at the same time. And it and it causes a greater and accelerated path to destruction and, and in many cases death. So when when you found yourself using, you get to a particular place, right? Uh, take us through a timeline of of you know, 15, 16, 17 years. And then, and then let's transition as we close out this episode. Let's, let, let's go to when you knew something had to change, when, when you hit that wall. So let's take us to progressing through your addiction, not so much as how much you used, but to the depths that, that darkness you got to, that emotion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because quantity is just a number, oh, yeah. right? What it does to us on an emotional, spiritual, physical, and 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 psychological or mental level is the real damage, right? Uh, and then and then, what happened to get you to say something needs to change? Walk us through that. So I started <clears throat> drinking alcohol and smoking weed at the age of fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, that's, that was my way of gaining control of my situation in my life. Um, from that point, it was obviously, you know, to me, I consider alcohol the gateway, Yeah, you know, I I drink alcohol first and then it was weed. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did that until about 16, you know, 15 to 16, I messed around with that. And then I, you know, got a brilliant idea. Well, why don't we get some Coke? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I want to try that. I've never, you know, never tried that. And of course, in the movies and the shows, it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, between 16 and 17, I just toyed around with recreational drugs, mm-hmm. um, ecstasy, cocaine, sure. uh, mushrooms, you know, just basically doing what everyone else was doing and we'd all go and hang out together. Okay. Um, then at 17 is when I tried heroin for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just another party drug, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, but I also knew it, it fucked me up the most. Yeah. And that's, was my goal. Sure. And, uh, before I knew it, I was physically and mentally addicted to heroin. And that was the battle that, that I've been fighting ever since I was 17. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, <clears throat> I've had clean. So from 17 to 23, I battled the heroin addiction on and off. You know, mm-hmm. I'd go to methadone clinics. I would try and quit cold turkey. And they were all just uh, temporary fixes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would always end up ultimately, because at that point, I had no idea of really what I was dealing with other than it was just something I have to stop doing. Right. Uh, 
we don't look at it in terms of a dangerous drug that could kill us. Absolutely. We yeah. look at it as something that's just medicating. Mm-hmm. And, and as they would say, it's really worth the price of admission. Yeah. Right? And so I'd get these little clean spurts and then I'd start drinking, you know, because mm-hmm. it wasn't my drug of choice. Yeah. So in my mind, it was okay. Uh, and then before I knew it, I was using again. Yeah. And it's that, it's just crazy how, uh, you know, you end up drinking and then next thing you know, you're at the dope man's house. Yeah. And that's, you know, why today I class myself as an alcoholic. Yeah. Um, but from, so from 17 to 23 was on and off with the heroin addiction. And then, uh, I had another clean spell that was about two years long. Uh, and then I started using Adderall. Okay. As, a you know, a party drug. I could go out to the bars and stay up all night and, uh-huh. and have fun. And then the Adderall ran out. Yeah. And then, you know, and I wanted to try meth, but I didn't at the same time because I saw what it put my mom through. And, yeah. and, uh, I vowed to stay away from it, but the phenomenon craving was a lot more mm-hmm. powerful than my will. Yeah. And I started using meth and, um, which, led to me using heroin again. Mm-hmm. So from, uh, let's see, like 25 to 29, it was 28, I was shooting meth and using heroin on a daily basis. Um, and that's when my life was at its bottom. That's when I was physically, mentally, and spiritually bankrupt to a point where uh, I had to do something drastic to change. Was there, I mean, obviously the, the, the downtrend is gradual, you know, um, was there something significant? Did you get confronted? Was there just a, you know, uh, just a come to terms moment? Um, for me, um, in February of 1986, I looked in the mirror and I saw myself as dead. There was no more voices. There was no one saying, what are you doing? Everything was quiet. And I looked and I was going to die. And I was convinced that if something doesn't change, I was going to die. And it scared me into treatment that day. Was there anything significant like that? Do you remember something that just said, Chaz, you can't do this. I I do, but it didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, my date is December 26, 2016. Yeah, congratulations, by and the way. And on that day, I had no intentions on quitting. Yeah. You know, um, but I had a divine intervention, and I ended up going to jail. Mm-hmm. And in that process of going to jail, I went through... The, the most horrible withdrawals I've ever been through. Mm-hmm. And once I was out of that fog of going through the draws and I was starting to get my mind right and I was starting to put on a couple pounds because I weighed in at 138 pounds. When I yeah, I saw that picture of you and uh, you're not the same cat. No, not at all. <laughs> you know, and I thought I looked good back then. Yeah, of course uh, we did. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but I remember sitting in my jail cell and I think it was like three weeks into my jail stay and I was changing out of my jail jumpsuit and Uh I could just see 
all my ribs. I could see the chest plate, ribs just poking out. And I just was like, man, I am, I am skinny. I am sick, you know? And at that time, it's almost like my life unfroze, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause okay. for the past, you know, six, seven years, I've been in my own zone and my own thing using and dealing and doing whatever I wanted. And I never went without. And mm-hmm. so, I, so I was living this life on Chaz's terms and Chaz's way, not taking in consideration of actual, my actual life and my kids and all that. And so when I, finally came out of that fog and gel it was like time unfroze and i'm like holy crap you know what have i been doing yeah for the past six years seven years you know what what how could i do this to my children you know how could i do this to myself um i haven't accomplished anything and i'm sitting in gel and this is the last place i need to be you know i i was sick i i wasn't a hardcore criminal, you know, and I just needed help. Yeah. And at that point, um, I knew that I had to do something to change and I needed to reach out and ask for help. And that's exactly what I did. Wow. Well, I'm glad that you did. Yeah. Because we're going to talk about that in uh, the next episode. So Chaz, thank you for sharing. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for being vulnerable and putting yourself out there because, you know, we're only as sick as our secrets. And, and the more we share, the more we heal, right? And, and we become less ashamed, right, in, in terms of who we were. Because we were never that person, but our, our drug use and our addiction um, had us become that. And, and it's obvious to me, sitting across folks, he's not the 135-pound guy he used to be. Um, uh, if I was going to meet Chaz in a dark alley, I would want to make sure he's my friend because he's, uh, he's pretty big, he's pretty healthy. And more importantly, uh, just if you could see his smile right now, uh, you would know that this life that he's been given, he's taken full advantage. So you're not going to want to miss episode two when we discuss uh, what it's what it's like for him in the rooms of recovery and what are some of the things that he's doing to help ensure that one day at a time he can stay recovered for the rest of his life. Hey, my name is Robert. I'm the Recovery Guy. Thank you for joining us today for this special edition. Keep listening, keep sharing, keep commenting, and keep subscribing. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. I am the Recovery Guy. I was trying to do everything